ask away. Cool. I, 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 I want to, I don't have it all figured out and I'm going to be completely honest with your audience. I mean, um, I feel like my journey has just begun in some ways because I'm learning about all this other, all these other ways to make money mm-hmm. that I've, that I'm really interested in. And I'm feel like I'm so still in the student phase and we can talk about that. Ladies, welcome to Biz Women Rock. This is your home for incredibly inspirational business stories from business women all over the world. I'm Katie Kremitzos, and I'm so happy you're here. Before we get rolling, here's a little word from our awesome sponsor. Are you tired of hearing how powerful LinkedIn is, but have no idea and maybe not even that much desire to learn how to make it work for you? then you have got to get LinkedIn Focus. LinkedIn Focus is a powerful program that will give you the exact strategies needed to produce results for your business. Just go to linkedinfocus.com forward slash BWR. I am totally honored to have Farnoosh Torabi as my guest today on the show. Um, She has a production company called Farnoosh Inc., but you will probably know her best by her brand of So Money um, as an author, as a contributing writer for Money Magazine, uh, The Today Show, Yahoo Finance. Um, This girl is a personal finance expert and has built up a tremendous name for herself as somebody who has done all of this stuff for many years. In this interview, this has only happened one other time, but like, you know, we always have this pre-conversation and then usually I'll kind of stop and say, okay, let's go. And they'll say, hey, welcome guest. Um, and then we'll get rolling. But we, Farnoosh and I just were chatting, we're chatting. And then all of a sudden it was like, holy cow, this is such great stuff. I can't even just stop. That would just not be great. So we really, this conversation that you're going to hear, we really just kind of roll right into it. And so what we end up talking about is not so much her past and her journey of how she's got to where she is, but more so on where she is now. She just started a podcast called So Money, where she, it's a seven day a week podcast. She's interviewing really great people like Tony Robbins, Seth Godin. Um, she's also doing like Q&As over the weekends and um, and she's doing this to build her own brand so she actually owns her content, her intellectual property. This conversation is incredibly candid. So what I am going to make sure that you know is that this is somebody who has a well-established name, who's done a lot of really great stuff in the past and is really in this new venture and share this moment is such a great moment to capture of her sharing very intimately about some of the biggest fears that she has or overwhelm that she's experiencing in sort of this new endeavor. Um, And she has a killer marketing strategy for her new book that's out. And she shares that in this conversation too. So I hope you really enjoy it. Let's get going. So I just want to be very, very clear. So I understand from, from like an interviewer's point of view, what is your business model right now? Like I know like you are the owner of these books. Like you have these books kind of going for you. You have the Financially Fit series that you're doing. You have this podcast that you're doing. Um, are you like are, are you still like employed by a certain group like businesses in order to be like a financial correspondent? I just don't know kind of how that whole thing works. Yeah. So how what is the whole like system that mm-hmm. you got going on right sure. now? Sure. So I would say 
um, it's a split between editorial and consulting. So consulting is probably the biggest part of my, so basically I have a production company, right? Gotcha. And it's Farnoosh Inc. Okay. And under that production, under that umbrella, I do a variety of things. I do speaking. I do corporate campaigns. Like a company comes to me and they're like, we're trying to bring this product to market and we don't know how to like approach the media. Can you help us? Um, Or a company approaches me and says, we want to internally get our our user base, our clients, our employees excited about X, Y, and Z, or like we want them to become more fluent with personal finance, or we want them to become like I, for example, I work with Mass Mutual, and they for for years now, and what I do for them is help. So Mass Mutual is like a major life. It's a, a mm-hmm. Fortune. 100 company and they specialize in life insurance and 401ks. So they provide 401ks to various companies, small and large. And so they're trying to get more participation in their 401ks, more enrollment in their 401ks. So I go and I give web, I do webinars for their internal like 401k participation base. Got it. Talking about like how to save, how to like the benefits of starting early for retirement, um, credit 101, like all sorts of like basically 101s on on money. So that's fun. Very Um, cool. Then another company comes to me and says like NerdWallet, I work with NerdWallet and they're like, we really want to, we want to create a YouTube channel. Can you help us with some videos? So I'll do, I'll work with them and I'll, we'll create a, like a a year long campaign and we'll do YouTube videos and stuff like that. So, um, that's like one revenue stream, I guess I would categorize it under like corporate work. Gotcha. And then there's media work, which is, um, less, it's not as lucrative, but it's kind of where my path, it's like where my roots are. You know, I'm a contributing editor at money magazine. I write for daily worth. Um, I've limited my editorial bandwidth because I can only write so much. Right. You know, it's like I don't have that. If I could double my hours in a day, I could write more, but I just can't. Right, right. Like, there's like the research and the fact checking. And then I give speeches and there's books. And in the past, I've done reality TV. So it's just kind of like I can do it all. And Clients come to me, whether that client is an editorial client, a corporate client, a nonprofit, a school brings me in and says, talk to our kids about money. So um, it's been wonderful, though I would be honest, why I started the podcast is because this is the first time in my life where I am doing something that I own. Mm, That's huge. And it's so huge. Everything else that I have done and still do isn't and I'm fortunate to be able to do the other work that I do, but the but it's like it's like uh, there's a pro and a con to it. The pro is that you're with this you're you're attached to this enormous brand, and so they have their own marketing vehicles, and they pay you, and it's all great and fun, and you're changing people's lives. But at the end of the day, they own the material. Right. You know, I had for three years, I had a the number one personal finance video series, it aired on Yahoo. <laughs> so Yahoo owned it, you right. know. Um, uh, and so I was like, you know what, I want to, and I don't want to necessarily stop doing those things, but I want to be able to own something that is my, even my books, my, the publisher owns the rights to the books, you know. Right. Right. 
Wow. So I wanted to do something that was had my stamp on it from start to finish and that I could monetize and that I could then parlay into something maybe bigger. And really, ultimately, I wanted – so I look at the podcast as like benefiting – me and my audience in in phases. So the first phase is like my audience getting to connect with me on a daily basis and me getting to, uh, you know, really have to exist online in a very uh, exciting way, in a, in a daily way, in an intimate way, and ultimately have the podcast, if we're talking business now, be the funnel to get people to my website. Right to opt in and then eventually think about how else can I serve that audience, whether it's a course or a new, a new book or all of the above. Um, I haven't, and so that's kind of the end goal. And, and uh, I'm very transparent about that because I think, you know, I love doing this, but I also have to be smart about it. You know, it's like right. a lot of time. I want to monetize this eventually, but in an authentic way. And this is my, this was, has been forever my biggest, uh, big question mark is like, you know, I've been working in a number of mediums for over a decade. I was actually one of the first to go online and do video and make money doing video. Um, I was doing money. I was making money doing online videos before YouTube. Wow. You know, I launched video channels for different websites online. And so I'm very familiar with monetizing and the web, but it was always in partnership with these bigger brands. And so I, Farnoosh, never really got the audience to come to me, right? They went to Yahoo or they went to thestreet.com or they went to CBS or whatever. Like, so now I'm like, I want to, I, I want to be the marquee brand, you know, like I want people to come to me and I want to go direct to market. I want to get rid of that middleman. Um, not entirely, but I would like to kind of restructure the business model so that I'm not so reliant on these big brands coming to me and saying, hey, let's work together, which I love doing, but it's kind of scary because sometimes they don't come and say, let's work together. And sometimes you work together and then they don't renew the contract. So there's like this constant hustle. And I was interviewing Seth Godin the other day and, and I kind of like, he kind of put me in my place. Not that he was trying to do that. I just, in my mind, I was like, I am not an entrepreneur. I'm like a faux, <laughs> I'm a fauxpreneur. I'm a, I'm a hustler. I'm a seven at one stroke. I'm a freelancer to the extreme, but an entrepreneur is really somebody who is like creating something that's bigger than themselves. And I feel like I've done that, but I've always like given it away to like another entity that owns it. Right. So I want to own, I want to have more ownership. That's really what it's, I think if like all that I've just said, I think at the end of the day, I just want to have more ownership of my work. And I think from the outside looking in, someone would think, oh, but of, don't you have ownership? I mean, you do all these things. You have like your, you work for yourself. It's like, yes, but. It's I not create, all mine. It's not all mine. The, yeah. the copyright is someone else, you know? And so I think for me, I think for anyone who's like in the media business, that's something that perhaps comes up a lot and it's frustrating. Well, and it's so fascinating. And if you don't mind, I really just kind of want to roll right into this conversation because mm -hmm. this is such a great topic as far as 
But you have a huge, huge thing, uh, a piece of leverage, which is that even though you have not owned all of these things as, you know, in the past, you definitely have built a name. You've definitely built an audience. You definitely have built, um, you know, credibility for what you know and who you are. So how has that translated into these new endeavors that you have? How is that translated into your new book? How is that translated into your new podcast? It has been wonderful. You know, I think that having had the 10 years to establish relationships, to work in the medium, to to establish momentum in all these different ways, all these different platforms, books, speaking, TV, online, radio, uh, that the stars really have aligned in a way where it was really just a matter of me going, what do I want to do? That's all me. That's all going to be mine that I'm going to own. And I struggled with that question, believe it or not, because I saw other people around me doing things, making money, what seemed to be making money quickly, like online marketing and doing these webinars and selling these courses. And I was like, I could do that, but that's not who I am. And and nothing against people who do that because I, I'm in awe of people who do that. And I buy some of these courses that people, you know, uh, uh, I go on the webinar and I get upsold and I'm, I'm totally like into all that stuff. However, for me, it was like, what's going to be my online story? What's my, and, and everything is moving online. And I think, and my husband and I were just talking the other day because I'm really into this world now. Like I'm opening my eyes to this, to all the possibilities of, of creating revenue streams through the internet and going direct to market. Right. Uh, my husband, you know, is also a, a tech enthusiast and he's like probably way more ahead of me than in terms of like his tech fluency. But he's like, no one, is, this is huge. Like there's all these people that make all this money online. Yeah. <laughs> and we, I mean, it's a huge market. And it's not covered, you know, like when yeah. we watch CNBC or Bloomberg or we go on Yahoo Finance, like we hear about the blue chip companies. We hear about the tech. We hear about Facebook and Apple. And it's like, okay, but did you also know there's this whole other economy? And all it takes is just opening your eyes to it. And if I was a reporter, I would be like all over that. And I mean, there's, yeah, the tech crunch and all these companies, all these sites cover startups and everything. But I'm not talking about startups. I'm talking about individual people yep. who, like Marie Forleo, who mm-hmm. right now is, is introducing B-School again, who will make, you know, eight figures this quarter. Um, and her affiliates will make six figures, some of them over that, in partnership with her. And, and that is so inspiring. Yet, like, it hasn't really been exposed, I think, to the masses. And anywho, I've sort of digressed, but your question was, how has my kind of my public persona, my 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 brand helped me now? It's been yeah. a huge, huge help. I could not really hit the ground running as I have with the podcast uh, if I didn't have the access that I've established for myself throughout my career. So, you know, through publishing books and through working in the media and through uh, just meeting a lot of interesting different people throughout the last 10 years, I have, turns out, quite the Rolodex. Yeah, no kidding. When you have Tony Robbins as your very first guest on your show, (laughs) 
I think, and and yeah. uh, Seth Godin is the last, the most recent one that you've had. I think you can claim a, a pretty decent Rolodex at but that point. But you know what? It wasn't like I just picked up the phone and called Tony Robbins. I still had to work it. Of course. You know, I still had to be very careful about approaching him. And even with Seth, I was I was shaking. I was like sweaty palms, you know. I was, <laughs> and um, I mean, I, I'm completely like honest about that stuff. I mean, I – because really, this is very much me too. I um, I hate asking for help. I'm getting better at it. I, I've always been overwhelmed when I do ask for help or when I do ask for favors or, or whatever that people say, yes, I'm like, really? Um, (laughs) but I, you know, my, I'm just always nervous about, I don't want to be that person who's always just take, take, taking, you know? And I think I've been learned, I, and I have a wonderful business coach who is a phenomenal networker, but, but more than just like, she doesn't like just tell you how to talk to people. She's, she teaches you how to have really authentic relationships with people. And um, someone even emailed me today and said, can you tell us how you book Seth Godin? And I would, I emailed her right away, right back away, because I, I'll tell you your, your audience too. I, Seth doesn't know me, although um, 10 years ago I interviewed him when I was a producer at a local news station in New York. And um, a couple times I interviewed him in person. Of course, he doesn't remember because, I mean, how many people have interviewed Seth Godin (laughs) over like the last 10 years? And I wasn't especially memorable. So um, fast forward to uh, a month ago and um, I reached out to a friend who kind of knows a lot of different people. And I said, Annie, you know, I'm starting this podcast. If you have any people that you think would be a good fit for it. I'm looking for entrepreneurs. I'm looking for really cool authors, subject matter experts, etc. She said, oh, well, I have this friend, Michael, who uh, you should have coffee with. I'll do an introduction. And Michael was very generous. We got coffee. It turns out we have people we know in common. And uh, we hit it off. And after a few meetings with Michael, I mean, the first meeting, Michael explained like, his background and this and that. And he said, you know, I, I used to work with Seth Godin. And, uh, of course in my head, I was like, Oh my gosh, it'd be so amazing if I could like interview Seth Godin. Maybe this is, (laughs) maybe this is my in, but I didn't say anything. And, uh, at the time. And then like the next time we met, I think I brought it up, but, uh, I said it in a way where I was like, look, my podcast hasn't launched yet. I do have Tony Robbins, in the, you know, in the queue, I've got a few other great people in the queue. Is it the K or the Q? I think it's the Q. It's in the Q. Q. Okay. Because in French, it's the K and I get, <laughs> I get really confused. Anyway, the Q. So, but I don't want to be presumptuous and to say like, you know, just because I happen to know, happen to have this cool guest on that Seth would necessarily like care to be on my podcast. So I said, look, um, and I would love to maybe approach you to uh, see if Seth would be interested in coming on my podcast, but only once I've established the podcast, I want to see how the first couple weeks go. I want to, you know, feel confident to say that things are going smoothly and um, I can show him the website and it's like a real thing, you know? Right. And Michael said, absolutely. Whenever you're ready, just let me know. And I will, I will talk to Seth and, you know, we'll take it from there. So then like two or three weeks into my, I'm only about three weeks into my podcast. So literally like 
a week and a half into my podcast, I said, okay, I think I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. So I emailed Michael and I said, I think I'm ready for you to, um, maybe ask Seth if he'd be on my podcast. I said, sure, no problem. So literally that morning he emailed Seth, he shot me, Michael emailed me back. He said, Seth said, yes, just here's his email. And so I, um, I emailed Seth and he wrote back, yes. And then I explained to him the format for my show and the questions that I usually ask. And he said, I don't want to do your format. (laughs) He's like, let's shake it up a little bit. (laughs) He's like, I don't really want to talk about money that much. I'm like, well, it's called you're so money. And we talk about money and we talk about people's (laughs) personal stories about money. So, and I was like, well, that's cool. You know, I respect where you're coming from, but are you okay with like the bra- the topic at large, which is money? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine. So, well, now uh, listen, you guys talked a little bit about like what it means to be rich. Like I just yeah. I remember the first couple so, of minutes listening to that, just like kind of the whole, uh, you know, like just talking about kind of the vantage point of everything. Right. He told me he likes to talk more about kind of the world at large and right. he likes to be analytical. And of course, Seth is, he's a disruptor. Like he changes, he's, he's all about change and shaking things up. So I was like, okay, well in that spirit, we're going to change up my format, you know, and I'm okay with doing that on a case by case basis when I feel like the guests will still bring tremendous value, which Seth always does. So mm-hmm. I was willing to kind of play ball with him and I, you know, I studied him for a week and I listened to a bunch of podcasts that he'd been on. I read a I read all of his. I, lo- I read a lot of his blogs. I googled Seth Godin and I googled money, <laughs> <laughs> Seth Godin plus money, and see what came up. And I found a lot of cool quotes. And I, I made the interview very much about him. Right. I questioned things that he had said in the past. I wanted him to, you know, further explain things that he had said in the past. And so he really appreciated it. And I think he had a good time. And I think it was a value to listeners. Uh, I still ask some of my, you know, my go-to questions, but um, what I also did was I asked my email list. I said, what would you like to ask Seth? Uh, and they came back with a lot of cool questions, and I used some of that. So um, that's how that interview came about, and I uh, I turned it around in like three days because I wanted to, to, <laughs> it to – I was so excited about it. I, it the reason there. it took – one part – my friend was like, I would have aired it in – 24 hours. I said, yeah, but I had to get it transcribed and I wanted everything to be perfect. And I, anywho. So so my point is, it's like, even if, even as, even though I could just like pick up the phone and maybe call someone who knows someone who knows Seth, (laughs) it's not that easy. You have to still be careful and you have to be respectful and you still have to, and I actually bought Seth's books after the interview. I went online and I bought 12 of his books as like a tribute to him for like, yeah, hey, I thank tell you. Him I was yep. doing this. Yeah. And I told my email list, I was like, I've got 12 books, come and get them, you know, write reviews for the show or promote the show, whatever. Like I'm going to pick 12 people and, and people are going crazy right now trying to get, get one of the books. And I emailed Seth this morning and I was like, thanks for your, your time. Here's the link to the interview. By the way, I bought 12 of your books. I look forward to sharing them. And he was like, you're awesome. Thank you. Wow. So that's how I like wrap that diddy up and hopefully um now i can consider him you know i I, I don't know when's the next time i'll get in touch with him but if i ever run into him it won't be awkward 
Would you spend $20 to bring $40 back into your business? How about spending $1,000 to get $3,000 back into your business? Let's be honest, the most savvy entrepreneurs know that marketing has to be part of their business plan. The key is to execute marketing strategies that actually work. And that's where Postcard Mania comes in. Postcard Mania is a full-service marketing company that uses statistics from their over 60,000 clients to create targeted marketing campaigns that actually produce results for you. I sat down with the founder and CEO of Postcard Mania, Joy Jandusa, who just happened to be the guest on my very first show, and asked her why she does it. What what impact do you want to have on this world? I want to set a good example. You know, I want. I definitely just feel like I want to set a good example. I want people to realize they can do it. I'm no rocket scientist. I'm I'm smart. I'm definitely smart, but I'm a high school dropout. I mean, basically, I'm self educated. So I just want I just want to set a good example and and live a good life and inspire people. Joy totally rocks, and so does Postcard Mania. Get started today with a thousand free postcards. Go to postcardmania.com forward slash bizwomenrock. Well, you're kind of hitting on a couple of things that are deeper beneath the surface that I really want to dig into, which is your audience and um, the, the, your, you know, the, the people who have been following you and who are a part of your community um, either over all these years or just recently starting to listen to the podcast. And one thing that I feel like you do very well is that you engage your audience very well. You make them feel welcome. You, you know, like you, you, you talk to them, you talk back and forth with them. What are some of the things that you've done in the past um, and are, are even doing now? We just heard one really great example, but what are some of the strategies that you're using to, to make it an engaged audience? You know, like how, what kind of emails are you doing? How often are you doing them? How are you doing a call to action on your podcast? Like what, yeah. all of those little things, how are you activating people who are fans of yours? I do a few things, although I think there's a lot more that I could be doing. Um, I don't have a million people working with me and largely just me and um, I have uh, some really talented people who work with me as well but I'm I copyright everything I I write everything and because that's my passion is writing right and um, I have a hard time outsourcing it uh, sometimes I'm just like I'll just write it you know and, yeah, and I'm the I same have, way I have hired copy editors and they're I've hired you know some really great copy editors and some of them have I use some of their stuff but I just find, like, especially with emailing my list, I'll get an idea that morning, right? And I'll want to write it and I want, will want to send it out that afternoon or that next morning. So it's sometimes very, it's not as thought out, which is maybe something I should change. I should probably be a little bit more strategic about my emails. But it gets a response, right? It does. So a few ways that I engage, uh, so with specifically, I'll talk about maybe an example with my books that I've published mm-hmm. and I'll give an example more recently with the podcast. So with the podcast, I um, every Saturday and Sunday is devoted to the listener. So the format is such where Monday through Friday, I interview someone and it's a, it's a, uh, an engagement. It's me and someone else. Then every day on that podcast, I am calling my, I'm asking my listeners to go on to somoneypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh, send me a question. And it doesn't have to be a question about your 401k. It can be a question about career, um, your marriage, uh, the podcast, the guests, life, whatever. 
uh, at this point, I'm an open, I feel like I'll just, you know, I'll shoot, I'll just give opinions on whatever and right. uh, take them or leave them. And, and uh, I wasn't so sure about that. I, so I answer those questions on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, I'm not getting a flood of questions. So literally I'm answering every single question right now. Okay. And uh, I'm hoping that at some point <laughs> I'll have to pick and choose because uh, I'll just be so popular. But right now <laughs> I'm getting like a good like 20 to 25 questions a week, which okay. is, which is decent. Yeah. That's decent for a brand new podcast. Yeah. So um, I'm having a lot of fun with it and I wasn't sure if it would be something that people would like to listen to. Cause like what's more interesting, listening to Tony Robbins or listening to me talk for 30 minutes. And I've actually brought in my brother to be the moderator because <laughs> I just felt like it would be helpful to have another voice kind of carrying us through the, the Q and a, uh, so, and that's been, that's been helpful. People really dig it. They've been writing in when I answer their questions, they write to me, they're like, you made my weekend. Oh my God. I didn't think you were, you know, they don't actually think that I'm a real person. Right. They're like, are you, did you really, did you really, was that you writing that email back to me? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> or responding to that comment on the site or answering mm-hmm. that question. Um, now, how has it worked for your book? And uh, state real briefly. So you have, um, you have a couple different books that you've, that you've yes. written. So you have You're So Money. I have um, You're So Money. I have Psych Yourself Rich. And I have my most recent, which is When She Makes More. And with each book, I've gotten, uh, I've learned a thing or two about marketing. You know, pub- <laughs> publishers, um, I'll tell you what, the, the next book, I, I won't definitely say this, but I'm leaning towards self-publishing because... Very nice. I mean... When you, have, just, when you have your own community and you have your own following, um, there, there are so many women I've talked to that just are like, why would I not do this myself? I mean, I'm going to have to do it anyway if a publisher is doing it. They're pushing it and they have you know, a little bit more leverage with the big box stores and things like that. But if I have a community who's hungry for this stuff, why would I not do it myself? Yeah, if you've got a starving crowd, feed it. And the thing, though, I will say about going with a publisher is for a first-time author, it's not a bad idea. I mean, because um, it does kind of put you on the map in a way that self-publishing May not. That said, I mean, if you've got a mil, if you got like a hundred thousand email lists, emails on your list, you know, you could probably do very well self-publishing. Right. Um, so, what kind of stuff worked is working for you now to market your book, your most recent book? Yes. When she makes so more. I did this thing that Michael Hyatt did, and Michael Hyatt is um, a very successful online marketer. Mm-hmm. He. Uh, just Google him. And um, this is something that I learned that he did with his book launch, which was like, I, I created a VIP group of a hundred people that were my kind of my, uh, my disciples, you know, like they would like do your anything. advocates, like my advocates. Yep. And so my book launched in May of 2014. And around January, I sent a list, I sent a survey out survey was it a survey or was some it was some kind of like application it was more like an application to my list I was like hey guys I'm you know my book's coming out in May as you know and in the run-up to that I'm developing a VIP list of a hundred people who vowed to really help me get the word out and um, in return I'm gonna do like we're gonna do a weekly like 
check-ins. I'm going to give you access to the behind the scenes. I'm going to send you a book. I'm going to, you know, give you early access to gifts, whatever, whatever, whatever. So there's incentives for them as well. And they have to apply. And part of the application is explaining how they plan to help me promote it. Hmm. You know, like, um, I had one woman say, well, I work at such and such company. I would love to invite you to come give a talk and we could distribute some of your books. Others were like, I have 10,000 Twitter followers or I have, I'm big on social media. Or another person was like, I have a book club and I'd love to share your book with my audience. So, uh, you know, I would say 180 or 200 people applied. I picked 100 and that group became my, uh, you know, they were my champions for when she makes more. And they, uh, the opt-in rate, the, sorry, the open rate for all their emails was pretty high because, right. you know, now you've really identified your tribe. Right. And um, they would help me with all sorts of stuff. They wrote reviews, which is big, like writing reviews on Amazon. Yep. Huge. Yeah, you, very, you very that. big. So they wrote reviews and they, they tweeted and they did, you know, they just were very awesome. And I think that um, in now in the world of social media where everybody wants to know your number, like how many Twitter followers do you have? How many Instagram followers do you have? It's like, well, a lot of that's BS because a lot of those people are just following you and they're not really engaged. But if you can get 100 really engaged people, that's, I think, more powerful than like, 10,000 Twitter followers and like who don't even, you know, care about what you're saying. They just follow you because, well, maybe they didn't even by accident. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that was really helpful for me. And, um, you know, I create private Facebook page for them so we can create a community around that. So yeah, I, I, um, really the podcast though was my way to engage in a more intimate way on a consistent basis with my audience that was authentic to me. Um, you know, I could have blogged every day. I just don't have the bandwidth for that. I can't, I wish I could come up with a new cool idea to write about every single day. Right. I just don't. But how do you keep up with podcasting every single day? That's all. I mean, even though, I mean, technically speaking, you, you're not creating the full on content. You're either you're interviewing somebody or you're answering questions. But that I mean, it's still a production. Are you it's a lot of work? Are you yeah. doing everything? I mean, are you doing all the editing? Are you getting it up? You know, on, on the uh, on the hosting? Like, are you are you doing all of that? Or how are you managing doing all of that? Seven days I, a week? Yeah. So you know, as a fellow podcaster, you know, there's like, it starts with hitting record. <laughs> And then there's like yep. a million tasks in between and then it's the uploading. Right. But then even then you're not done because you have to do the social media and right. the announcements and the, you know, whatever. So I've created a little bit of a method to the madness. I don't think I've made this super efficient yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm working out the kinks. But at the very least, which is very helpful to me, is I've designated one day a week to doing my interviews. So Mondays are my interview days. I don't do interviews on Fridays. I don't do interviews on Thursdays. I do interviews on Mondays. Unless it's like an exceptional guest who's needs like, another day. Needs another day. Like right. I'll, you know, I'm not going to be crazy and like say absolutely not, but <laughs> sorry, default, Seth Godin. Sorry, yeah. Tony Robbins. I cannot well, I, do it on Friday. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean. So and when I launched, 
I launched with about 30 interviews in the can. So I was not like, I just didn't ever want to be in a position where I was a daily podcaster chasing down guests because, right. oh my gosh, next Tuesday I have a hole right. to fill. So, so I, I, I had 30, you know, on the, just out of the gate, I had 30 inter- interviews completed they weren't all edited, but they were raw. Right. And um, I have somebody who's editing my interviews. And the Ask Farnoosh segments, because they're, I tape them, like I'm taping one tonight that's going to air Saturday and Sunday. I tape them so close to air that I just edit it myself. Got it. It's just easier. And um, I just know where to edit because I just taped it. So I, I write down time codes. It's just easier. I mean... It's easier in the sense that um, it's not like it's less time for me because I could just farm it out and I would be free for the rest of the night. But it's easier in the sense that I just don't have to explain it to somebody else to right. do it for me. So I, I would say 80% of the editing I I farm out. And um, I also have a, a woman, a friend, uh, uh, I pay her, and she does a lot of the other important work like uh, she posts the blog that accompanies the podcast. She does the social media. She um, does the newsletter. She uh, does a lot of like the busy work, like the the work that's not necessarily, it's not like super creative, but it has to get done. Right, right. And it takes time. And then I have a transcriber in the Philippines who's fantastic. Odesk.com, ladies. Nice. Do not go to Scribby. I did Scribby for the first month, and I had to. It was like the. It was like a mortgage because, like, a daily podcast. Thir, you know, thirty forty minutes. Yeah, yeah that minute. starts adding up very. Oh very my quickly. god! It was like over a thousand dollars, and I was like, Jeez. I cannot. This is not economical. So I um, found this through Podcasters Paradise. I got a recommendation, hey. and uh, it's working out great. That's awesome. Now you, you know, you talked in the very beginning of this conversation about how much of a big thing this is for you to really own this podcast, own your brand and really move forward with it and just kind of give all of this great content and then figure out how you can create great products and programs and things like that that will, um, you know, satisfy your community. And then you also mentioned sort of that this space, this thing called an internet business person um, is huge, right? So does that ever scare you? Um, a little bit. Yeah. I never learned, you know, it, it scares me only because, okay, maybe scare is not the right word. It overwhelms me sometimes. Right. It doesn't scare me because, I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but I was, my, my degree's in business. And so I actually, one of my first jobs was selling, you know, I sold ads, I created ads, I sold ads for a newspaper. I love thinking about how to monetize I love how, like, I just, I'm a salesperson at heart. You know, I feel like I, if I believe in the product, I can sell it. So the actual selling part, like, I I look forward to doing webinars around my product. I look forward to creating videos and engaging with the audience and and describing what I'm selling and and actually creating the product and if I believe in it. Right. But what is that thing? That's what I'm struggling with. Right. What is that product that I feel I can scale, people want it? And it's true to my brand. Right. And that uh, I'm certain that there are going to be other things like it out there. There's no such thing as a unique product. You know, there's always going to be competition. But 
what's going to be my angle? And so, you know, I have friends who are doing, are, are very successful doing online businesses. And the advice that I get is just start, yeah. do something. But this is the kind of the downside, I guess, of being someone who has an established career, who's like out there. People expect a certain level of quality for me, right? They expect, right. I can't just like throw crap out there and hope <laughs> it sticks. Like I have to actually think through the process. I have to be very careful about the execution. I can't, of course I'm going to make mistakes and it's not going to be perfect, but I don't want it to be thoughtless and I don't want to just do something for the sake of doing something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, same with this podcast. It was very, it was a fast turnaround, but it was extremely well. I thought, I mean, I spent a lot of waking and sleeping hours and showering time thinking about this podcast. It was like all I did for three months and <laughs> it's still a work in progress, but yep. that's just part of who I am. But it's also part of the burden of being somebody who, um, a lot of my work that's out there is very polished because it's done in partnership with big brands that can afford to polish things. Right. So when I'm doing something for myself, by myself, I need to be able to, you know, maintain those standards to the best of my ability. Right. Farnoosh, I want to bring this conversation to a close by asking you what the big vision is for you right now. You know, are you, are, do you see, I know you kind of have this vague idea of the next couple of steps that are in front mm-hmm. of you, but what is the big vision for you? What do you really want? What's the big goal for you right now? The big goal for me right now, oh gosh, is to have more control over my intellectual property, you know? And, but that sounds really kind of businessy. And so <laughs> if I was to get really woo woo, I would say I want to be able to help more people. I want to be able to expand my platform and to be the ultimate go to for not just money, but but advice about life. You know, I'm, I've always been that woman who, that friend, that sister that you go to, like, what would Farnoosh do? What would Farnoosh say? I have a very practically, I have a very practical mind, um, almost too practical sometimes, but people like latch onto that because sometimes in a world where you can't make decisions, like I'll make the, I, I have, I, I'm really good at making decisions <laughs> and I want to be able to serve people in that way. And I've done it through money money advice, but I feel like I'm growing and I have an ability now to talk about not just money, but career and relationship and and life as a result of the work that I've done and the research that I've done. Right. And it's really a matter of just uh, packaging that in a way that's digestible and likable and, and doing that direct to market as opposed to, I have this great idea, let me sell it to some such and such media company and they'll distribute it. Right. I want to distribute it. I want to own it from start to finish. And um, there are a lot of women out there who are doing that that totally inspire me. And I, I'm so thankful that I have them in front of me as a role model because um, uh, it's what keeps me going. I know that I can do it. It's just a matter of time and being really thoughtful about the whole process and true to me. I don't want to do something just because it's been done before and it seems like it's a sure thing. Um, I want to, I want to do what's, what, what feels right for me. And, um, I haven't figured it out yet, but that's my goal. 
I love it. Well, we're all we're all on the same path of learning together. That's yeah. You know, that's I, what I think I love the most. And one of the things that I was you know explaining to you you know before we got rolling was that this entire platform it's all this space for me. It's so important to have this space where we can really be real and say. Yeah, you know, the podcast may have this and Biz Women Rock is this brand may have this, you know, so money may have this brand and do this. But you know, like, I'm still kind of trembling at the knees sometimes about something that I'm about to do because I have no flipping clue. Yeah, (laughs) and that's okay. And it just humanizes all of us. And I think we all, um, you know, and I will say this, I think, especially as women, like we really cling to that we really feel like, okay, I got your back girl, like, okay, we're all one, we're all kind of helping each other out. So anyway, um, I really want to thank you so much for uh, for being here. And, and I loved the fact that you just kind of rolled into this with me. I really appreciate it and just talk so authentically about all the stuff going on for you right now. So thank you so much. Well, my honor. Thank you for the opportunity. And this is really generous of you. And I hope that, uh, I don't know, I hope it's uh, been helpful. I will leave your audience with this. I interviewed Seth Godin this week and I'm, I have an assignment for myself now as a result of that interview that I would think would be helpful for others to, to participate in. It's like, think about what scares you. What's What are you afraid of? And in terms of, you know, your professional career, your, your kind of your contribution to the world, like what's holding, why are you, if you're not doing what you're doing, what you love, what your passion is, why? What are you afraid of? And really like write it down and there might be seven things, there might be one thing, there might be a hundred things. But that's a good good place to start because then it's like facing your fears, going to that edge, according to Seth, is kind of like where magic can start to happen. Hmm. Um, And so it's a scary thought, right? It's a scary thought to think about what you're scared about. Yeah. (laughs) Like, do I really want to admit that to myself, that I'm afraid of being insignificant, that I'm afraid of perhaps someday not being relevant, that I'm afraid of someday not being able to make money, the kind of money that I want to make to make an impact on my family's life and others' lives? Like, these are the thoughts that I go to bed with sometimes. And, well, it's it's important to face those fears. Yeah, because, you know, what can you do until you actually face them and just either laugh yourself silly because of how crazy some of them are or actually yeah. really deal with some of them and, and ultimately move beyond it, you know, right. and just keep on moving even though that they they might still exist. So anyway, yeah. oh, this is awesome. Thank you for this conversation, Farnoosh. Thank you so much for the work that you do. And um, check out SoMoneyPodcast.com. And we will have direct link for that in the show notes. Thanks, everyone. Farnoosh rocks. That's all I got to say. I totally dug this woman, loved this conversation with her, and was so appreciative of how vulnerable she was, how real she was with everything, um, and just how smart she is. I mean, I just really love that. The marketing strategy that she has for her book is brilliant. I know she says, you know, it was Lewis Howe's idea, um, but I love the fact that she's using it, how she's doing that, how she's engaging with with her audience for that. So, Hope you learned a lot from this. I would love for you to go to the website Biz Women Rock and uh, go let me know what you thought about this. Her specific episode is forward slash 154. Uh, comment below. Let me know what you got out of it. Would love to hear it. Talk to you soon. Have an awesome day. I'll see you on the next episode.